Good morning, folks. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, I pray that you are all well and that uh, you're encouraged by the fact that, that hopefully we have begun to, to see some positive things come out of the news lately about the COVID-19 and the response that we've had as individuals uh, sequestering ourselves and, and allowing for this virus to kind of take its course. Um, you know, I can't help but think uh, a couple of things that, that God ultimately is totally in control of this. And so, uh, yes, it may sound fundamental, but, but I want us to visit um, today what it is that we think about God. Because what you think about God matters through all of these circumstances, and especially in moments of trial or, or stress there seems to be the, the typical fight-or-flight reaction, uh, the idea that we will actually reserve our emotions and call on God for help, or we will lash out and we will uh, just blame him for everything that's going on. There are two common responses as you deal with suffering in our world, um, and so how you perceive God and what his plan is matters in how you face even these circumstances. And, and, and every other day trials of, of your life as well play into this. I first want to start um, by saying that, that as we talk about who God is, we have a view of God that he is one God existing eternally in three persons, and that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, something that you have hopefully heard before uh, from us, but I just want to reiterate that, and I want you to understand the, the importance of that first as we undertake looking at who God is and what we think about him. I want you to see how all of their various personhoods come into play in a moment like today. So, First of all, you know, there's a lot of debate out there and people say that, well, the word Trinity is not even in the Bible. How can we use that word? Well, we use the word Trinity to describe the three persons of God. And if you're looking for an easy place to find a reference, I want to take you to Luke chapter 3 first. Luke chapter 3 verses 21 and 22 it's a really simple passage to just get across the point that there are three persons in the Godhead. When all the people were being baptized, and John the Baptist was doing the baptizing in Luke chapter 3, Jesus was baptized too. So Jesus was in the water being baptized, and as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. So we see this, this moment in time captured uh, in Luke chapter 3 in where God the Father speaks from heaven to his son who is being baptized and the Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove and lights on Jesus. And so we see that, that those three persons arrive in one place at one time, and they're, they're three different people. So 
for our sake today, I want you to think of it this way. The Father is the creator, the designer, the provider, the protector, that he has a role for us, that, that he created all of the universe. And we go back to Genesis, and, and he is the creator. He spoke the world into existence. Then there's Jesus, his son, that was the redeemer, our savior, our Lord, the one that we follow. I like to think of him as the example God. He's the one that, that gives us all of the things we need of God personified for us to be able to see and to read about in the New Testament and to see how to react and interact with people and things of God. And then there's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the comforter, the illuminator, a guide. You know, God says he's going to send this person to us. Jesus specifically says that, that, that at one moment we will receive the Holy Spirit and that he will guide us through the things that we're going through right now. So as we look at God and what we think about God, I want you to think about him again as one God existing eternally in three persons. And so how do, we, how do we get to a better understanding of that? Well, let me put it this way for you, okay? Because in this time where, where stress and fear overwhelm people and they have a reaction either of being drawn closer to God or being pushed away from God, I want you to see where that originated. And so Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, and we're continuing to just build the backstory here of the point that I want to make today. In Genesis 3, 10, we already know the story of Adam and Eve, and they have gone against God's will. They have sinned, okay? And that's a big piece of this. They have done what God said not to do, and he is walking, looking for them, and he says, he says to them, where are you? And then in 3.10, it says, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. Now, Adam answers this for the first time out of a fear of God. He is afraid of what God might do or might think of him. And so he hides. So, Sin actually ushered in fear. Not only did it usher in fear, but it simultaneously, as, our, as the Bible tells us, it subjected all of our created world to frustration and decay. Everything changed at that moment because of sin creating fear. Sin allowing us for the first time to have this distance between us and God, the creator and the designer. Here's the thing, though. As we read the entire story and look at it, we know that none of that caught God the Father off guard. We know that he doesn't live inside of space and time. He wasn't reacting to Adam's decision, but that his design and his plan was complete from the beginning. God the Father, the creator, allowed for choice. He allowed Adam and Eve to make a choice and thus ushering in this separation. But in his design, he also allowed for restoration of relationships through his son, Jesus, the other person of the God. And then he sent after Jesus was, was crucified and ascended to him at the right hand, 
He sent the Holy Spirit to guide us through life, to be that comfort and that illumination for our world. And so it's important that we understand God in all three of his facets from beginning to end. That, that yes, God, the creator and the designer had a plan from the very beginning. He allowed choice. You can debate that all you want. We can talk about that in a totally other subject. But he allowed choice. Man chose to disobey God, but God had a plan already ready and already knew how to restore that relationship and comfort us as we feel this fear and this discomfort and this distance from the way it was intended. So, with that in mind, understanding the Godhead as three people designed originally to fulfill those roles in our life, I wanted to take you to a place in Exodus where, where God is dealing with the Israelites, and, and I want us to think about understanding awe, because that's really what the fear of the Lord is. It's this awe this reverence. When you look up the word in the original language, whether, whether we look back to the Greek and, and look at the Hebrew in the Old Testament, we understand that this word is not the same word as afraid in Genesis. There are two different things here. I think there is fear and there's being afraid. And so are we going to be afraid of our circumstances or are we going to have a healthy fear, develop that reverence for the designer of our circumstance? You see, I can easily look past my circumstances if I understand and revere the one that designed it, the one that put the whole plan in motion. And so I want you to read some of these passages from Exodus because we don't get a lot of pictures of this. We don't talk about this a lot in our local churches sometimes. We, we kind of tend to go toward the side of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and what Jesus has done on the cross and his meekness and, and then the comfort and the, the love that we get. But, but we lose a sense of why we needed those two things. That the creator of the universe, the one that made everything around us, is the one we are worshiping as well that he is part of that Godhead. And there should be a sense of awe and reverence that comes and a healthy amount of fear. So what do I mean by that? Before we get into this, I should probably think back to last week as we talked about allowing ourselves to be consumed on purpose and the illustration of a fire. Now, I burned some more wood this week, some of the scraps and some of the branches and things that I had left over from last week. But it was a little windy, and I had a healthy respect, a healthy fear for what that fire might be capable of doing. And so, so I prepared. I took a ring around the outside of that, and I scraped away all of the brush and the, the debris, and I created a barrier so that that fire wouldn't get outside of its intended place. And so that's what God has done. He has designed 
for us a place that is best for us, that will be incredibly developmentally beneficial to our lives. And he continues to do that, and he uses these times in Exodus to to craft our understanding of that, how he deals directly with the Israelites here, how he provided for Adam and Eve in the garden. He provided all that they would need, and then he also provided for us the way to restore relationships and to have comfort from the entire Godhead. So in Exodus chapter 19, this sense of awe is pictured here. This is something you don't get a lot of times when you read just the New Testament. It says, On the morning of the third day, Exodus chapter 19, 16 through 19. On the morning of the third day, there was lightning and thunder with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. A pretty tremendous scene. The first thing I want you to notice is that that first phrase that on the morning of the third day, so so God had commanded Moses to go and get the people ready to meet with him, and that on the third day, he would meet with them. Now, if you know anything about the Christian faith, you understand that Jesus was raised on the third day as well. So this is, this is a very interesting correlation that God said, go consecrate yourself, get yourself ready for me, take three days, be prepared to meet with me. And then you have this scene unfolding with thunder and lightning and thick clouds and trumpet blasts and, and fire and this mountain being consumed by a cloud. And, and there's this tremendously incredible, awesome and powerful scene that God is painting before the Israelites' very eyes. He's showing his capabilities right there visibly in front of them. It's the same God, you'll remember, that, that led them out of Egypt, that created the plagues inside of Pharaoh's land to get them out of there, that they crossed the Red Sea following God. They had had these experiences before, and yet they still stand there. They tremble there. They quake because they're so consumed by this visual representation of their God. They can see clearly how powerful he is. And it says that they tremble, that they are afraid, right? That, that, they, that they shrink back from this God. There is this understanding that he is something that is to behold, that he is something that is incredibly powerful, something that I should revere. Most commonly, the reaction is just to fall on your face when you really understand who God is. 
these two short excerpts are packed around the delivery of the Ten Commandments. So you have Moses talking to this cloud. He speaks and the voice of God answers him. And Moses goes up into the mountain to meet with God. And God gives him the Ten Commandments. And this is a very pivotal piece for our understanding. Because a lot of times we look at these things that God gives to us in our world and the rules that he sets in place, right? We think, what is he hiding from us? That's instinctively where we go because that's where Adam and Eve went, right? There were two trees in the center of the garden. God said you can eat of any tree but that one tree and their curiosity was piqued. And so the delivery of the Ten Commandments is only going to pique the curiosity of the free will of man, right? What is God trying to hide? What is, what is on the other side of that fence that he just built? And the illustration that I like to use is that if we understand who God is, if we understand the awe and the reverence, if we can rebuild his image in our mind as to somebody that created our world, designed a way through Jesus to restore relationships, and has the Holy Spirit come to us in comfort and wisdom, then that should change the way we view the things that he asks us to do the way in which he asks us to live. We don't see it as a fence to keep us in, to keep us away from what might be on the other side of it, but we see it as a guardrail. Because in Western Pennsylvania, I don't know where you're from, but in Western Pennsylvania, guardrails are pretty essential. There are some mountain roads that have saved many lives by the use of guardrails. And that is really what God is setting up here. He is setting up his image as the one that is the creator, the provider, the, the, the awesome God that he is. And he's inviting man into this relationship with him and says, here's how we can best relate. Because remember, sin only brings about fear and separation from God. That's, that's the point. Sin separates us from God, and that was not the design. So let's jump down to chapter 20. Now, the, this scene has unfolded. The mountain was on fire. The Ten Commandments have been communicated to Moses and the people. And in chapter 20, we pick up the story again. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled in fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. This scene still 
before our eyes, right? Thunder, lightning, smoke, fire, Moses standing at the edge of this dense, dark cloud of God. And the people are terrified. They're not sure what to do. They don't know how to have this relationship with God. They're so afraid that he's going to kill them, basically. They allow their fear of death to stop them from having that relationship with God. Moses, Moses feared the Lord more than anything else. It says here that the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Moses knew this was the design. This was the way it was intended. I am supposed to have a relationship with God the Father. He designed it that way. He created it that way. He is going to then provide a way for restoration of relationship, and he did that for these folks through the sacrificial system. He allowed the Ten Commandments to be a bridge for them, a way in which they could communicate their obedience and their healthy fear of God. God was only ever worried that their sin would create distance. That they would not fear God enough to live in such a way that glorified and honored him. That they would see his rules as something that kept them away from good things instead of understanding that it ushered in every good and right thing. Moses knew that the creator and the sustainer of life was real. Moses had lived it, right? If you know the story of Moses, you know that he was born to an Israelite inside of a captive nation of Egypt and was hidden in a basket in the river, only to be picked up by the very daughter of Pharaoh and raised in Pharaoh's court and then would lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt. That design, that creation of Moses' life is indicative of what he's trying to communicate to the people. He has had this experience. They have had this experience now. They have seen God work. They have been brought out of Egypt. They've been delivered. They've been taken out of all of harm's way. They've been led through the Red Sea. They've been provided manna and quail and water over and over and over. God shows his goodness to them. But they are worried that he is going to just kill them. He's worried, they are worried that, that they cannot have this relationship with him as he wants it. As I look at these two reactions to this scene, Moses embracing a healthy fear, 
He doesn't just rush into God's presence. He does everything that God asks. He prepares the community for three days. He leads them up there. He takes his time. He addresses the crowd about the Ten Commandments. He does everything that God asks him to do out of reverence for the creator and the sustainer of life. And then he approaches the cloud. He has a healthy fear of the Lord. More than anything else in his life, he wants to revere God. The people remain at a distance. God has created and designed a world of many, many beautiful things. It doesn't take a smoking, smoldering mountain on fire for me anymore to understand the awesome power of our Creator. I love to just go out and look at the mountains, to see the sunsets, to appreciate the little things that God has intricately woven into our creation. the very beginning of time he took care of all that we would need he created and designed a world that would benefit us that would be that would be practical for us that would provide for our needs and sustain our lives he also provided jesus in his plan for us to have a restored relationship with him He then sent the Holy Spirit to us to comfort us, to help us read his word, to to give us insight into what he's doing in our world so that we could understand that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Understanding in this moment that the word fear is being used almost as a weapon. That fear is is crippling people. I want you to, to now see the difference that God paints. That there is fear that is healthy, that is beneficial, that is right, that is good. There is a fear of physical things in our life like fire and other things and there is a fear and a reverence for God the creator to understand all that he has done and to know that that he is the one I serve there is a healthy fear a reverence I want to please God based on his standing I revere his place in this world And then there is being afraid of your circumstances, being afraid that things might change, that that our lives will be different after this. I want you to know that none of this is a surprise to God, the creator and the designer, the sustainer of life, 
the Redeemer, the Savior, the Lord, the Comforter, the Illuminator, the Guide. The one God in three persons was the plan from the beginning to see us through all of this. My challenge for you this week is the same thing that Moses demonstrated. See, Moses' fear of the Lord kept him from being afraid of his circumstance. Moses' fear of the Lord kept him from being afraid of his circumstance. While the people remained at a distance, he approached God. He wasn't afraid of the circumstances. He feared the Lord, and the Lord said, Come meet with me. And so this week, I want you to think about fear. If you are struggling with it, if you know people who are, I want you to introduce them to the concept that God has from the very beginning seen this moment in time coming and he provided everything we need. He protects us. He has given us a redeemer and a savior and a comforter and an illuminator, a guide through this process. He saw it from the beginning and has not left anything up to chance. The question you have to answer is, will your fear of the Lord, will your fear of the Lord keep you from being afraid of your circumstance? Will you be fearless? Of course not. It's not about being fearless, but it's about what do you fear more? What do you revere? Do you actually believe today that God designed and created our world and is unfolding his perfect plan. If you understand that, and if that's at the center of your thoughts, then you will not be afraid of your circumstance anymore. Fear will well up inside of us, of course, But I pray that as you read through the scriptures and you read story after story of how God provided just at the right time, he provided a way out, a way to overcome. He provided eternal life for us so that our fear of him, our fear of the Lord, our reverence for him would be just what we need when we're afraid of our circumstances. I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to pray for you. I don't want to minimize your fear and your anxiety, but I want you to give you, I wanted to give you something to, to hold on to something that would help you understand and hopefully give you words to articulate how you really feel. Father, thank you for your love for us. Father, I pray that you would continue to guide us, direct us. Lord, thank you that we needn't be afraid of our circumstances because we fear and revere the one who created it all. We live in such a way that that you 
are blessed, that you are honored. Father, I thank you for creating a world and for designing it in such a way that, that you draw us into relationship, that you give us comfort, that you give us so many instructions to help us to navigate what is beneficial in our lives. Lord, I pray that that the sin in our lives would not separate us from you, that we would, that we would repent of it, that we would not allow fear and we would not allow sin to continue to separate us from you, that we would revere you, that we would follow you, that we would be like Moses, that we would hear your voice, that we would read your word. Lord, thank you for loving us so much, for creating a world so incredibly dynamic for us to live in. Lord, I pray for these current circumstances that we would focus on you, that we would allow ourselves to see only you in and through these, that the creator and the sustainer of life will provide us for us and protect us through this current situation. Lord, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for knowing all of us would need you in and through this time. In Jesus' name, amen.